0: Welcome to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. Here we will post sermons that have been spoken at the camp from pastors, evangelists, and other gifted speakers. We desire to provide this resource to help you saturate yourself with the word of God on a regular basis. We pray that you would allow the spirit of God to use the word of God to change your life for God's own glory.
1: Did you guys love those um, chocolate chip cookies? Man, those are, those are, you know, we we use this expression and we use it too loosely, but I'm going to use it appropriately. Those are life changing, okay? Man, those are really good. The whole lunch was great. But the other thing I really liked was the cheese in those grilled cheese sandwiches. They don't skimp on it either. I mean, there's some serious cheesiness going on in these grilled cheese sandwiches it was good the whole whole deal i had i had multiple cookies too you can tell i'm here alone my wife's not here yeah I'm, i'm going to it um the other thing is i i wish julie was here because she really um she does so well in Q&A sessions. She is not the one that would want to do a session. So if, if you asked her, will you do a, a lady session, she's like, ooh, I would really rather not do that. And so that's not her thing. She is a great behind the scenes. She's a big organizer. She likes to do you know planning, all that kind of stuff. But for her to, to come up and do a session, she does them. I think she does great, but it's, it's her, she says, I don't even know what I say. She's like, I'm just, when I finish, I have no idea what did I just actually really say, so. But when, she, when it comes to Q&A, she does a really great job. Um, she has wonderful insights. I'm not saying this because she's not here, and I'm not saying it just to try to, you know, give you a great opinion of her, but she has a really, a, a far more um, sharp mind than do I. Her ability to process and think and ask questions, tear something down, like, let's, let's get behind this, behind this. OK, well, if that's true, then what does that mean with this? She is she's really very sharp with that. And when it comes to Q&A, she just kind of parts through, parses through the, the question to get to the issue. So I'm apologizing that it's just me right now. And you guys asked some really great questions. I was, I was encouraged. The other wonderful thing about Q&A is it does show that, like, okay, I'm processing this. What, what, how do I proceed? And the wonderful aspect of Q&A is that God does have answers. You know, seek and ye shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. And any honest seeker, any honest seeker can always find an answer with God. Now, sometimes we ask questions not because we really want an answer. Um, that, those are dangerous questions to ask. But, but if we're asking honest questions and we want real answers, um, that's valuable. And then the most important aspect of asking any question and getting a legitimate answer is doing what it is that we have found out we're supposed to do. Because how many times have you found out an answer to something, but it's like not the answer you wanted, you know? Don't we all do that? It's kind of like, oh, I got this answer, but am I really willing to do what's necessary? Have you ever had like a, someone come out to your house and tell you what's wrong with your HVAC system? And they say, well, you're gonna have to do this and this and this. And then you're like, oh, no, no, we'll get a box fan, okay? So you know, because you don't want to do what they're telling you is necessary to do. Or sometimes you go to the doctor's office and you ask the doctor, okay, what, what do I have to do about this? And the doctor says, okay, if you want this to be resolved, you're going to have to do these things. It's like, oh, no, I really like the chocolate chip cookies. And so, so whatever, we, we sometimes get answers, but we're not necessarily willing to do what the prescription um, has advised. So with these, <clears throat> I think the answer is only as valuable as our willingness to do what God's principles lay out for us to do. So let's look at a couple of them. I, I don't have these really in any necessary order, uh, but they, they will unfold as we walk through them. This is, this is, some of them are easy, some of them are more challenging questions, but you did ask some really good ones. You asked for some book recommendations for marriage communication. Um, I, I'll give you two. And um, you can, they're only books. So I think that's important to remember as well. Um, they're books that we take with, With. do you remember, it, it, when I went to college, they always had this little, this little note in the front of every book that we don't wholly endorse everything that's in here, kind of a statement. So I'm making that statement now, these are not wholly endorsed. But two of them that I found valuable, and to limit it, Uh, Because there's a lot of them. Number one, there's a book called The Meaning of Marriage. It's by Tim Keller. And the principles found in that book are really valuable. In fact, he defines marriage in ways that I think are distinctly biblical. And you can't get something out of marriage if you miss, out of anything if you misdefine it. Then you start to look for the wrong things because you have the wrong definition. So... Uh, The Meaning of Marriage, I think that one's excellent. And then there's one that's been, it's not an old book, but it's been around for a little while. It's called Love and Respect. And I think that's also really valuable. And, And it's valuable because it strikes a created nerve. In other words, a nerve that resonates with how God created us. So remember throughout scripture, wives are never told to love their husbands. Isn't that interesting? But should a wife love her husband? Yes. Husbands are told to love their wives. Wives are told to respect, honor their husbands. Why, why is it that, that we're not told to respect our wives? That's also interesting. Um, we're told to love them. So why does he give us each those unique commands? Read the book and you'll find out. So, um <laughs> Really, the, in, the, in short, the answer is God is um, targeting our own specific challenges. Do you remember when the Bible says that um, to, to give some teaching along with answering? Do you remember when the Bible, after the curse, after the fall, God says to, to Eve that her desire will be to her husband? And then, do you remember this? Do you remember um, with the, the, the curse that really came upon Caleb um, you have this, um, this issue that came regarding desire. And with, the, with the Jacob and Esau, excuse me, the, okay, your desire, he's going to rule over you, and your desire is going to be towards him. There's going to be some, do you know what the Bible's saying about Eve's desire, about you know, Jacob and Esau and his desire? The Bible is saying that the desire is, I have some ruling desire, I want what you have regarding position. So what what is Eve's challenge? You better, you better respect the person that has a position in the economy of marriage that is going to be challenging for you to do. What is the husband told? Well, we we naturally love ourselves. Okay. We have some self-love that comes very naturally. The Bible uses that as a point of reference for us, okay? Um, No man hateth his own flesh, but we nourish and cherish it. So what are we told to do? Oh, we have to love our wives. So all of that to say love and respect is a valuable resource that, that resonates with the challenges that come to each of us individually. Okay, this is a good question. What are some practical ways to prioritize my marriage through the seasons of life? Tonight, we're gonna address some of this. We're not gonna go too deeply into it right now, but what are some of the ways to prioritize? Let's do this um, in answer to it. Let's, Let's, if we had a board here, and we don't, but you can picture these easily, it's not very complex. If we were talking about priorities, what would we put as our number one priority? Um, in our life. So who gets spot number one? God, God goes right there. So we're all in agreement. Okay. N- next, number two comes spouse. Okay. So I heard marriage, family, um, spouse. Let's, let's go with spouse. Okay. So children are going to come and go, right? Um, how many of you, you, your kids are all out of the house now? OK, well, they don't have the same kind of demand, right? Um, but they're still really important. So let's go, let's go God, um, spouse, and then where, where are you going to go? Unless you have grandkids then you go straight to grandkids. <laughs> okay. OK, so we'll go God, um, spouse, then let's just put family. OK, because that broadens out the dynamic. And then what do you go? Where do you go after that? Church, okay. Agreed? Church, go there. Okay. Uh, where do you go after that? Job. Job, work. Okay, where do you go after that? Does it matter? It's not like I don't know where to go after that. Okay. Fishing. Okay. What's that? Fishing. Fishing. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's put that up there. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll reference that again in a minute, okay? All right, so we put God first and then we put um, spouse, family, church, work. Let's kind of function in that world for a little bit. Okay, so we adopted our son, all right? Our son is adopted. He was adopted from Russia um, when he was two and a half years old. So that's, that's how we established a family, okay? We, we had prayed that the Lord would give us kids. He never did. That's a whole nother, a whole nother message, okay? But... The, the short of it is, we adopted our son. Um, we have a day in February that we call our gotcha day. It's February 27th, it's, it's the day we got our son. So it's gotcha day, it's re- a really important day for our family, gotcha day. Every day, um every year excuse me on gotcha day we would celebrate in really special ways you know no school that day like get them out of school go to well on this particular gotcha day it was gotcha day we went to denver for um uh, we went to the aquarium in denver had a lot of fun and then we're coming back to prepare our favorite meal I mean, it's a big process, you know, it's this fondue kind of thing and and we do fondue and then chocolate fondue after that. I mean, it's just our, you know, family favorite fun. And I got a call on, on I got a call that, that was from the hospital and it was a hospital representative asking me, are you um, Pastor Jeff Redland? Yes, I am. And then they said, um, Um, do you know? And I said, yes, I do. And then they said, their two-year-old was in an accident on the the property. And can you come? Of course. It was very, very serious. The two-year-old was actually, the dad was checking some steer and the mom had brought the two kids out. So they finished checking the cattle and the kids were going to the minivan, dad was getting in his truck. So dad thought that the son was in the van and the son ran around to go back with dad. Dad backed over and struck the child. So he drives to the hospital with the child in his arms. I get to the hospital, I go into this room where dad and mom and their, their parents were, the, um, her dad and mom. Well, this is a mess of a room, okay. But man, praying, we're calling on God. They're about to lifelight the child to Denver. And they told me that. They said, We're gonna lifelight the child to Denver. So I said, Let me pray with them before, you know, because they're getting them ready. Can I pray before they go? Yeah, come on. So I go, I pray. They're readying the, the child there, they're working feverishly. I pray and, when I fi- and I'm praying that the Lord will heal and restore. I finish my prayer, I look up and everyone's now kind of looking at me and someone leans over and says, we're so sorry, he's gone. I'm telling you this whole story to say, now I'm gonna go back into this room and now the, the family has to be told. Okay, so the next, easily the next week, I am completely immersed with this family, right? I am, I'm, I'm completely immersed. And when I finish with them, I'm, I'm completely spent. Really, I mean, I'm coming home and I've got nothing to offer. I just, I'm empty, okay? So I'm ministering, I'm serving, uh, and then I come home. I left my family on the most important family day of our year. At that moment, what was the most important thing? At that moment. Yeah, so how could I say on the phone, let's think in real honest terms, and I built a weighty story and I apologize for that, but it builds a a powerful point. And I think we've, we've looked at prioritizing things incorrectly in ways that I don't know that are realistic. At that moment, we all understood my husband has to leave, dad has to go, he, that, he has to go do that. At that moment, the, my, the ministry was the most important thing at that moment, I can't tell them, I'm sorry, this is the most important day and my family is the most important. Now, all things being equal, I get it. My family, it, they're the most important. But at that moment? Okay, so the, if you want to look at that one, two, three, four list of priorities, that thing falls apart all the time. Yeah. Um, how, many of you, how many of you have ever had to work on Sunday before? How many of you have ever had to work on Whoa, lots of you. Well, is, is, is church really more important than work? Well, yeah, all things being equal, yeah, but, but sometimes I have to work. My dad, you know, I told you, he's a, I don't know if I told you, he's a retired policeman. Dad had to work on a lot of Sundays, okay? Um, so what was more important? Well, church was more important to my dad, but my dad still had to work on Sunday. Um, you said fishing. Now, I'm not being silly about this, Okay. I'm really not. Is it ever is it ever a good thing for you to go dampen a line and go fishing? Is that ever a good thing for you? Some of your husband's like, oh, get on this one. You know, (laughs) well, well, there are times when it's good, right? Early in my ministry days, when I was a youth pastor, I had someone tell me, you know, Jeff, sometimes the most important thing you can do. In fact, I don't know if they said most important or most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Like, whoa, I'm gonna write that in my Bible, okay? <laughs> okay, so what what they were saying is, hey, listen, the most important thing you can do right now, you gotta go refresh, rest, you know, be be renewed. Okay, so I don't know that the how do we handle, you know, the, the question is prioritize through seasons of life. Understand seasons. Like I shared the story about going to the hospital with this family. That was a short season, but man, we had to navigate through that season. sometimes seasons are longer, sometimes they're shorter, but they are all seasons and so if we try to order things this way at one, two, three, four, it doesn't work but here's a way that I think really does work: have a god centric view of priorities, whereas you put God in the center of your chart and then just you can you can. I mean, you can list anything you want all the way around that. Now, they don't all get an equal share of the pie, okay? They don't all get an equal share. In fact, sometimes that that piece of the pie is fairly dynamic. It can move. But, man, sometimes the most important thing you can do is to go fishing. I mean, I I have to have a mental break. I've got to go refresh and relax a little bit. Sometimes it's like, no, I know I do need to relax, but right now my spouse needs me to do this more than my need to relax. And all of these things rotate around the one who is the centerpiece, and that is God. So I would encourage you to not try to, I set you up, so I'm sorry about that. But I would encourage you not to try to not do your one, two, three, four list of priorities because that, that really isn't an honest view of how we function. And I don't know that it's an honest view of how God is asking us to function. He asks us to have Him as the centerpiece, that, all thing, that in all things, He might have the preeminence. Okay, so He's preeminent. He's centered at everything. And then life does work that way. So when we start to think about life and, and you know, <clears throat> all the different kids, the, the person who wrote this wrote kids, ministry, church life, work, etc. then this is exactly what we're talking about. Put him in the center and then let's see how does everything rotate. And there's room for everything to rotate around him. Everything, craft, fun, sleep, you know, work, the whole Everything of life, it does rightly fit. And if it shouldn't be part of your life, then then it shouldn't be part of that rotation. Then we just remove it completely. Good question. Okay, what spiritual disciplines have you and your wife done consistently together that have been most encouraging and helpful? Okay, Um, don't make this your pattern. I'm going to say that at the beginning, because couples all bring their own unique things together to the table, right? So we, we just, we function uniquely. Um, I am the, uh, of the two of us, I am more of the, the mercy side of the gifting. Julie is more, quite honestly, of the profit side. Right, wrong, yes, no, you know, all of those kinds of things. I'm more of the mercy side. Well, you gotta understand that, you know. And so we really balance each other out wonderfully well. God fit us together right. So how do we function together? Okay, I think your personalities are going to very strongly, um, should be taken into consideration because they do come into play. Okay, so what do we do? Well, I, I just, I saw this one and I thought, okay, how do we function like that? First of all, we like to, both of us like to read, okay? It's harder for us to read like, you read this Paragraph. I read that paragraph, you read. But here's what we found. We tried that, we've done that. It just doesn't, it, we don't jive with that quite as well. So here's what we have found. We do really well when we're both reading the same book at the same time. And then we have rich discussion about this. So we, we read and we read the same stuff and then we interact regarding it. So, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go back to, in fact, it's something that that my son and I do. We do that uh, on a weekly basis. He lives in in Texas and and we don't. So he and I do FaceTime, but we read books together. And then we just go over, like, okay, we're going to do chapter three today. And then we'll mark it up. And then we just kind of walk through it. And Julie and I function well um, as a spiritual discipline with that. So we read, and I think that's something that's been really valuable to us. Um, we rotate. <laughs> I, I just jotted down three things when I saw this. We rotate. Now, not back and forth. It goes back to the last question. We really are one of the spiritual disciplines that's always been a priority for us, and that is we, our lives in so many ways rotate around the work of the church. It's a hub for us. And you say, well, that's because you are a pastor. So your lives rotate around that. Let me tell you, here's what happens. My life is simply an ongoing reflection of how I grew up. My dad was a cop. My mom was not, okay? And for the most part, mom mom took care of us. But our lives rotated around what was going on at at what we call God's house, okay? Okay. We rotated around the church. The church was never for us like this secondary thing. It wasn't this ongoing, well, you know, the kids have this. That tournament's going on on Sunday. Um, uh, we, we probably need to, that was never a question in my house. It was always this, this, this I don't know, the spiritual discipline of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, the longer... We go culturally in a post Christian society, the less emphasis we see on church. And it happens within the church, okay? So I'm saying this again to people who've sacrificed time and effort and money to be at a, a weekend retreat. But I'm also saying I know the challenge of keeping the discipline of church central when you've had a long day when things are not easy, when COVID happens and I can live stream as easily as I can do anything else. Um, the, the, the word for church, ekklesia, it means called out assembly. I personally believe that the church can't officially do what God has designed it to do if it doesn't physically assemble. There's something about coming together now, this is true, and I'm not trying to, to say it doesn't happen. It is true that some people might say, I, I can listen so much better through live stream because, they're, you know, somebody's not crinkling their little paper. They're clicking their pen. Or in our case, some college kid's not playing Candy Crush on his phone during the service. So, Listen, I get it. I know it still doesn't defeat the reality that God's called the church to assemble. So, keep the, keep the priority, the spiritual discipline of church as a priority as a couple. And the implications of that are really quite profound. Um, and then I also put spiritual discipline rest, um, find time to rest. Uh, we, we have time when it is not ministry driven. It's not, and we do that every Monday, is the day that we just take off. So, we just rest on Monday. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do things. I'm going to work in the yard and do stuff, but we, we have to have a time because our weeks are just, oh, they're really intense. And then man, we also rest away, you know, get away, go do stuff. And so we're going to go on a, a big motorcycle trip this summer is our plan. So I have, I've got a motorcycle and and um, you know it's one of those those big you know it's a it's a Goldwing. So Julie sits on the back of it. It's not a Harley, and uh, but it's a Goldwing. Julie says, the Harley guys don't even wave at me when I wave. So so um, anyways we go on these we go on long trips and man what's that. See there? Exactly. It's a Harley guy, right? They can point him out anywhere. And, um, anyways, do stuff, you know? Go rest and be refreshed and take time. So, those are some things that that have been really valuable for us. Okay, this one. Now we're getting into a couple questions like, oh man, those are tough, and, and you can tell there are some challenges. What do you say to a couple that, beyond spiritual things, have no common interests? Okay. Well, first of all, you had common interest. Everybody has common interest when they get married. You know what I mean? You have common interest when you get married. Now, many times that's physically driven, okay? Just to be, because we're here as married couples, there's a physical component. To marriage, we're like, hey, we're going to be together physically—the marriage bed. We're going to have physical, intimate relations. Okay, so there is something that's interesting about that. The last um, marriage weekend that we did at Campus Church, um, our our speaker came in, and I, I mean, he he was certainly appropriate but man he talked about the physical relationship in marriage and the priority making this a priority in marriage it's not the summation of marriage marriage can make it even without a physical relationship but God did intend for there to be something valuable about the physical relationship in marriage so I would say this this is not the, the whole of the answer, and it's probably not even the most weighty part of the answer, okay? But there was something when you got married that was driven physically. There was a physical anticipation regarding marriage. I would say tr- work to maintain fun in a physical way in marriage, in, a, in the marriage bed, Do you remember when God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he really said there's no restrictions for you in the garden except, okay, with everything that God's given us to enjoy in this world, he places these boundaries around them. And it's really great within the boundary, but if you take it outside of the boundary, it's really bad. Like the fire last night, isn't there something mesmerizing about a fire, you know, in a fire pit? Can't you just sit there and toss another log on the fire and, and I poke at it and have fun with it? But if a fire goes outside of the boundaries, wow, it's devastating. It can just, you know, ravage through a place and do a lot of destruction. So first of all, be protective about the marriage bed. Okay, be protective about this. Like, man, this is, this is ours, it's exclusive. Today we have this... This access to those things that we should never access, but we have easy access to a lot of different things. Um, I'm going to say these things that, that are, I believe they're commonly understood, although they're politically incorrect. Um, men are more visually driven, okay? Typically speaking, men are more visually driven. We do have a rise in... in um, or not pornographic viewing from women, but it's not historic. There's some like altering of our consciousness. Um, But visually speaking, men are more driven. Um, um, Women are more mentally driven, mentally driven. So in other words, play to my thinking, not to my seeing, okay? So you say, what are the dangers with those? Well, men, of course, we've got, a, uh, we've got visual opportunities everywhere. Digitally today, you, there are visual opportunities that are present. They're knocking on your door. They're showing up. Uh, easily accessible, easily available. So that's, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Amen. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Okay, don't don't make an excuse for yourself. Well, you know, or my wife never don't. don't, No, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. That ye may be able to bear it. Okay, so so men, you know. Okay, God, I've failed in this area. I confess. Now, by your grace, start reprogramming my mind. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word? So so start flushing your mind out. Okay, ladies. Well, my husband does. You know, sometimes the challenge that is yours is this mental world of romance. Okay. Man, I'm telling you, social media for ladies has oftentimes been a real challenge. We have a we have a glut right now of mental illness in teen girls because of social media, because they're living in a in a pretend world. What they're doing is they're looking at everyone else's highlight reel and comparing their lives to everyone else's highlight reel. Okay, you ever watch the highlight reel on, on um, Sports Center when they're showing, like, oh, that was incredible, and oh, that was, okay, they're showing the highlight reel. That's not the whole game. You gotta, you know, uh, you gotta just chug through the game to get to the highlights. Well, social media is everybody's pretend world. And now they start to, I'm not as pretty, uh, the, the, the romance of this, or this is how romance is supposed to look. This is what I'm supposed to do to attract a guy. Um, and then if you move it beyond teen girls, oftentimes a lonely or neglected wife starts to find like someone who's talking to her in ways that she wants to be spoken to. And yeah, I remember this guy from high school and yeah, we reconnected. And and now he's saying things that are like, "Whoa, what a draw. OK, all of that we say like, wow, we, we have to do something that that um, um, reignite something together. I began with, okay, invest in yourself in a marriage bed relationship. Well, what if we don't have interest aside from spiritual things? Well, be interested, interested physically. Well, what if we're not have fun? Have fun in ways that God intended you to have fun. It's like, well, well, I'm I'm a little nervous about that. Well. We'll start to walk through being together physically and enjoy one another. When God says, enjoy the wife of your youth, he's talking about the one that you married, enjoy her, the wife that that was yours from the beginning, enjoy her all of your days. So let, let me start by saying, make the marriage bed enjoyable, have fun. Don't use this as a weapon for either Um, The Bible says the only reason you should separate yourselves physically is for prayer and fasting, but not because, listen, I'm going to withhold something because they're not giving me what I want. That's a lousy way to use the marriage bed. Okay, so let's go beyond that. First of all, you know, use the marriage bed for ways that God intended it to be used. Have fun. Um, I started with, you know, he, he told him, enjoy everything in the garden. Uh, Go have fun. There's nothing that's off limits for you in the garden. Okay, Um, so keep it sacred. Keep it yours only. Nothing else should be brought in. And then, man, we, we find interest in our kids things that are not interesting to us. Right. How many of you play on the floor with your kids? How many of you grandparents? Like, I don't know if I'll ever get up, but I'm coming down, Okay. (laughs) Why do you do that? You do that because you love the kid, Okay. I mean, seriously, you can be interested in what your spouse is interested in, even if you're not interested in in that. You take interest because of who it is. You you listen with intensity. You tell, tell me more about this. Um, okay, um, how many of you husbands, um, how, many of your, how many of you don't like to shop? You don't like to shop, okay? Um, how many of you, just curious, how many of you wives don't like to shop? Don't like to shop, okay, some of you. How many of you like to shop? How many of you like to shop without your husband? Okay, there are some, okay. Why is that? Well, you know what, Julie Julie and I, I go, sh- no, 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 I'll go with you. If she says to me, hey, do you want to go to the store? Now, if I hesitate, she's going to say, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. But hey, do you want to go to the store? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, come on, let's go. Why do I want to go to the store? Not because I'm interested in the store, but because I'm interested in, in the one who's going to the store. Well, this doesn't do anything for me. Well, then, then you don't like the answer. That really is the deal. That, that does work, but, but you might not like the answer. So you're going you're gonna to have to find out like, okay, did I just give up on the whole thing? Am I just like, I'm just done with the whole thing. You have come to a really bad conclusion. And I'm saying that honestly, you're, you've come to a bad conclusion because this will work you say well i've tried all no 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 because then you said oh god god i tried what you said and it didn't work and that never happens it just never happens so i would say how do you get you know when you have no common interest start start developing some you know and if you can find some things like along the way that that are of common interest man exploit it you know have a lot of fun let me add one thing to that as well. Tell me when we, we should be finishing up. Let me, let me add one thing to it, and I know this can get a little long. You don't have to have everything that's a common interest. It's okay to not have everything as your common, one person can be interested in this and one can be, that's okay. And then free your spouse to have those interests. Free them. And here's, here's the way not to do it. Um, I, I am a, I am a um, committed tinkerer. I like to tinker with things, you know? Like, I like to fix things. I don't like to throw away the coffee pot. I want to fix it, you know? And I just fixed our coffee pot. I fixed it like three times. We've had this thing forever, but I love this coffee pot. And um, so I tore it apart. There's this rubber gasket. And I got finally to this thing and and I got the gasket out. And it's the kind you just push the cup under and it pours it into the cup, you know, and you can't find these. And so I fixed it and everything and I'll take it out to the garage, I'll tear it apart. And I love tinkering with stuff. If Julie ever says to me, uh, if we're, you know, it's after dinner, she says, why don't you go play in the garage? Really? Like, yeah, just go wait, Go work on something. Go play in the garage. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm going to go tinker. I'm going to go have, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find something to, to fix, you know. I want to fix something or do whatever. How about this scenario? Hey, babe, um, I'm going to go work in the garage for a few minutes. Okay, if you'd rather do that, than spend time with me. That's fine. No, 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 I'm not, I'll stay in here. No, go work in the garage. Because you want to work in the garage. No, really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. I'm telling you, go work in the garage. Okay, I'm going to go work in the garage. Okay, now, I'm in the garage. How do I feel working in the garage right now? Lousy. If I stay with her, how do I feel? Lousy. OK, if Julie's like, um, um, hey, do you mind if I run to the store? I want to do a little shopping. Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, that's fine. What? What do you want me to do? No, I thought we were going to do, but no. No, really, if you want to go. Really, I don't care if you want to go shopping. OK, do you understand how, how we just blew everything? Okay, if I say, "Oh, no problem," okay, hey, when do you think you're gonna be back? I don't know. Okay, well, text me because I want to know, you know, how you're doing, and it changes the whole dynamic. It is okay to free your spouse to enjoy something alone, and let me tell you, what happens is if you do that, they not they there. It's not that they want to be away from you. Sometimes they just need some time just time alone and what you're going to get back is so much better if you free them to enjoy time as opposed to holding something over them while they're enjoying time so you don't have to do everything together I mean man you're going to have interests that are different well free them to do that and and man they're going to be thinking about you're tinkering in the garage you know and like man I have such a great wife you know, she's, and I want to finish because now I want to be back in with the wife who just let me go tinker. And, and what, a, what a great dynamic that is in marriage when you don't have to make them feel so like, oh, they, they just, you know. Listen, um, wives specifically, you, you'll get your husband. But what you get back in return is probably not the one you want if you don't free them husbands yeah you can manipulate and control but what you're getting is really not the one you want so frame let, let me cover these other ones more more quickly
0: can you do it in like 10
1: minutes yes i can thank you for that
0: oh but i mean it's good we're all really good okay
1: i'm not going to try to get to all of them um this one's a really important one so I'm going to cover this really briefly but I am going to cover it. If God gives you needs for your spouse to meet to draw you closer together is it wrong to have the need? Okay so I have needs, we have we each have needs and we come together and we find that those needs are met with each other. That could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be physical, it could be sexual. There's there's all kinds of needs. Okay, how do you meet these your spouse's needs from an empty cup? Um, if your spouse isn't meeting yours, good question. Okay, that's a weighty question. So how do I do that? There's a passage in Jeremiah chapter two, and I think it's verse thirteen, and it says this: It says, "For my people have committed two evils; they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters." And hewn them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water okay do you understand what he's saying in John chapter 8 he says um, he says parenthetically he says but this spake he of the spirit he's talking about um, fountains of living water that will come from your belly he says and then he says parenthetically but this spake he of the spirit okay the spirit is the fountain of living waters when we try to, when we look to the wrong source for our filling, we're going to see that we're never really filled. So the, the, the basic understanding of this is we have to go to the right source to be filled. You're, and your spouse honestly can't fulfill that. Oh, it's like, oh, I know, but man, this puts me in a, a world of, of emptiness it really doesn't it is taking god at his word like okay lord i've hewn out this cistern that i said this is the way that it, this is what needs to be filled but he says no you you just you just created a broken system a broken cistern and it can't hold water it's not going to do what you think it did god, well I, I i made this this is what i'm looking to, to to carry the goods to fill the water he says you're looking to the wrong thing Okay, you, you, you forsook the fountain, and then you went to your expectation of how am I going to be filled? So he says, go to the right source first. Okay, now, here's the, here's the faith step. You say, well, what if that doesn't work? Well, what if it doesn't work with my spouse? Well, you're always gonna have what you need. You're always gonna have what you need. Um, the, the living water, that's the continual flow. So if I go... And find the right filling, the right fulfillment in the person of the Holy Spirit, then what if my spouse doesn't, I'm going to have what I need. Now, I would submit this. I would submit that oftentimes when you start with the right source, then you're going to also find like, wow, something began to happen with my spouse. Something I can't explain this, but something now, because I'm not looking to them, and I'm not frustrated, I'm not angry, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna respond in the same kind of, I'm not doing that because now I have what I need, and it's found in Him. When you were, when you were, did you ever like somebody in fifth grade, okay, or whatever, did you ever have somebody that you were kind of, you know, my dad would have said, oh, kind of sweet on so and so, (laughs) Um, did you ever notice that when they started to when you sh- didn 't have to have them, sometimes the ones that were not interested in you became more interested in you? When you find your first satisfaction in him, everything else becomes more satisfying and you know if, if we find it here we 're also going to find I told you that we adopted um, we had been married for seven years, we wanted children the Lord just didn't didn 't open. Julie's womb. We, we didn't have children. People were to ask us all the time, when are you guys going to have kids? Well, I don't know, you know. Next week, I mean, I don't, what am I supposed to tell them? So people would congratulate. Sometimes people, hey, I heard you guys are having kids. And I said, well, um, somebody must have told you before they told me, you know. And we just never had kids. And it was really frustrating. My brother Terry has five kids. Every time the phone rang, hello, another kid, you know. Okay? And um, and we never had kids. And, and, um, and it was a, like a source of bitterness, honestly. It was that growing frustration. And we finally came to the point, and it was, it was really weighty for Julie. It was weighty for me, but very weighty for her. And we finally got to the place where, where we were OK not having kids. And honestly, we just thought we, adoption was not on our radar in the least. We thought, we're just going to be OK. We'll, we'll, it'll just be us, and that's okay. And you know, when, when in Genesis 15, um, God tells Abram, I am thy exceeding great reward. I, I am the reward. God saying to Abram, and then Abram doesn't really get it. He says, it's okay, great. When am I going to have a kid? <laughs> okay. Well, when he becomes your reward, then, then God so oftentimes, then he, he brings also some, some ongoing blessing. When, I, when I'm satisfied with him, I'm ready for lesser satisfactions. And if you find your satisfaction, your fulfillment first in him, you'll have a supply to actually fulfill your spouse. And you may find that God blesses you with a reciprocal lesser when he's your first. Wow. Now I also have another source of satisfaction. Hey, let's wrap it up with that. And... Um, Let's thank the Lord for so much wealth that he gives us in the principles that we can follow. Lord, help us to help us to not just acknowledge answers, but help us to see that when there are answers and and we feel like they haven't worked, may we may we see that there was something that we weren't working because your way does work strengthen repair restore our marriages so that they might be reflections of all you've intended them to be thank you lord for the time today may it have been profitable we pray it in jesus name amen
0: amen Amen. Amen. that was helpful and we could couldn't we keep going with that that statement that uh he made there at the end with with your joy being in the lord um i will say for me that's been something the lord's really challenged me about in our marriage because i'm an idealistic type guy like i want things to be done right and perfect and if things if we're having a hard time in the marriage i want to have it fixed like right away and if it's not fixed right away then i kind of get discouraged or defeated and feel like our marriage is on the rocks type thing and um because all marriages have to be worked at we learned that last night it takes hard work and so um, I have found that there have been times in my life where I feel like my wife and our relationship was put before the Lord even, where like when it wasn't right, I was like defeated and discouraged and despondent. And uh, so this, what you said there has been something that sh- somebody that challenged me that when we when we just reached out to some friends that, to ask for some just um, help and my parents to get some help on that. It, again, we're talking about some, you know i'm not saying that this was some monumental thing but it was bothersome but this this point about keeping your joy in the lord recognizing you're both flawed people and even if thing you're working hard at something and it's not perfect yet that your joy is in the lord and you just keep joyfully working on 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 those things and um that that's been really really helpful so i'm glad you you covered that and and mentioned that because that's where our joy rests isn't it The second thing I want to say as we close, what what we found with only getting through like four or five questions there is that there's a lot of people that have questions, a lot of people carrying um, things maybe that you've never talked to anybody about. Maybe you have a situation or a concern. Maybe you're nervous about sharing that concern. I just just think we need to have places and people that we trust that we can go and get help and get encouragement and counsel and ask the questions and get the resources and talk through. There's a lot to two people living life together, but the harder we work at it, the more we uh, engage in conversations and the more we grow and we don't just shut up and, and not talk about things that are bothering us. Get help, get encouragement, communicate, That's been super helpful for my wife and I as we've navigated different stages of life too, It's just get the help, talk to people, don't keep talking to each other, listen to each other. And of course that'd be a whole nother session on communication, right? But, um, but really that's, I want to just challenge you, go find some people to ask those questions, to sit down with people. Maybe you're a wife. You want to go talk to your pastor's wife. Maybe you're a husband. You want to talk to the pastor. Maybe you want to go together to talk to the pastor and, and wife together about something, but don't, don't just huddle in a corner and, and uh, watch your marriage explode. You know, if you need to get help, get the help that you need. Okay. Thank you for the help that you've given us. And uh, we're going to dismiss for free time. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make him known through your life. Join us next time for our next sermon. Thank you and God bless.